Hey, Rebels, today I talk about Jair Bolsonaro. He's the president of Brazil, and Justin Trudeau hates him, and so does the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, hates Bolsonaro. I like him, and I'll explain why and why I'm on Team Bolsonaro in the recent diplomatic spat. Um, before I get out of the way, can you do me a favor and head on over to the rebel.media slash shows? And can you become a premium member of the Rebel? Uh, what it means is you spend eight bucks a month and you get the video version of this podcast. So for example, I'm gonna show you when Yair Bolsonaro was stabbed by an Antifa leftist. I wanna show you the video, even though it's a little gruesome, I want you to see it and remember what Antifa thinks of you. Eight bucks a month, 80 bucks for the whole year, or use the coupon code PODCAST and get an even deeper discount. I'd appreciate it because it helps pay the bills. You get the video version and Sheila Gunn Reed's show and David Menzies' show. Okay, here's the podcast. You're listening to a Rebel Media Podcast. Tonight, Emmanuel Macron lets the Notre Dame burn to ashes, but he's furious with Brazil over naturally occurring forest fires. It's August 28th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Do you know what the seven wonders of the ancient world were? Only one of them remains, the Great Pyramid. How amazing it is. It was built, who knows how, in about 2500 BC, and no one ever built anything taller or bigger than it for 3,800 years. It took humanity 3,800 years to learn how to build anything mightier. Are you not curious about the other six wonders that no longer exist? The Lighthouse of Alexandria which was toppled by several earthquakes and then its ruined parts were used to build other structures. It was as high as a 30-story skyscraper. Ancient. Here's a computer reconstruction of what archaeologists think it might have looked like lighting the Mediterranean Sea for 50 miles. The Colossus of Rhodes, a massive statue at the entrance of a harbor, estimated to have been as tall as the Statue of Liberty. Could you imagine that 2,000 years ago? Also felled by an ancient earthquake. Here's one artist's conception of it. Here's another. This one is less dramatic, but probably more accurate. Oh, the lost knowledge, the lost culture, the lost wonder of it all. I tell you this because when the Notre Dame Cathedral burned this year, I felt like I was watching a, a smaller moment, but not much smaller than an earthquake that would have felled those mighty ancient wonders. And I thanked my lucky stars that I, in my life, had occasion to visit Notre Dame just a few years ago for the first time in my life, because I'm not sure when we'll ever be able to see it rebuilt again. Maybe it'll be, re be rebuilt again, what, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? And who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll be torched again. Maybe it'll be bombed 
the next time. Don't look at me like that, like I'm a conspiracy theorist. Let me play for you the clip of the chief architect of the Notre Dame Cathedral, the man who was in charge of its safety and security and fire alarms for a decade. Listen to him, would you? You say this type of wood doesn't burn like this. No. You know, Duchesne, who has 800 years, it's very hard. Essayer d'en faire brûler, enfin moi j'ai jamais essayé, mais du chêne, du vieux chêne, c'est pas évident du tout, il faut mettre beaucoup de petits bois pour y arriver, là je sais pas s'il y en avait, non j'arrête de plaisanter, je crois que, non moi ça me, ça me stupéfie beaucoup. Et où vous mène cette réflexion À quelle hypothèse elle vous amène euh, Je vois pas d'hypothèse que, que je puisse dire, quelle hypothèse on pourrait dire que, que ça a été vite Hmm. On aurait pu faire autre chose pour que ça n'aille pas aussi vite. Moi, je me perds en conjecture. Vous savez, on a fait à Notre-Dame, juste avant que je prenne ma retraite, c'est-à-dire dans les années 2010, on a remis à plat toute l'installation électrique de Notre-Dame. Donc, il n'y a pas de possibilité de court-circuit. On a remis à plat, et aux normes contemporaines, même en allant très loin, toute la détection et protection incendie de la cathédrale. Avec des éléments de de témoins de mesure, d'aspiration, etc., etc., qui, qui permettaient de détecter un départ de feu. Vous avez en bas de la cathédrale deux hommes en permanence qui sont là jour et nuit, et qui sont là pour aller voir dès qu'il y a une alerte, et appeler les pompiers dès que la, la, le doute est levé. Ils sont là en permanence En permanence, oui. Pourrait-il avoir, excusez-moi, de défaillance de mécanisme d'alerte Impossible Tout est possible. Tout est possible. Moi, je vois mal parce que, bon, on a, ça a été un travail colossal, et puis, vous savez, c'est comme dans tous ces chantiers de monuments historiques, surtout à Notre-Dame, on a un encadrement technique, normatif, de contrôle, etc., etc., qui est considérable, qu'on ne voit nulle part ailleurs, qui est considérable. Donc là, je veux dire que je suis quand même assez stupéfait. Et euh, pendant les 13 années où vous avez été l'architecte en chef du bâtiment, vous n'avez pas eu connaissance de, de départ de feu Ça n'est jamais arrivé Non. Of the medieval world, not the ancient world, the Cathedral of Notre Dame. And we have lost it for all practical purposes for many years. And on Emmanuel Macron's watch. And I think anyone who believes it was a naturally occurring fire on 800 year old mighty timbers that are practically petrified, try lighting that on fire with a match? And that this fire was not detected or extinguished by the two full time firemen stationed there, and that in fact, The fire started in two places simultaneously, and then Macron's government ruled out arson before even investigating the fire, before the fire was even out. I tell you, that pre-explanation was about as credible as those who say, Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide. Honest. I'm sorry. If you believe that, in the face of all the facts, you are the conspiracy theorist. So Emmanuel Macron, not an arsonist himself, but... Well, let's put it this way, someone who has a keen political interest in ensuring that the narrative of, oh, it was just a glitch, <laughs> so that that Emmanuel Macron, not a fire starter himself, but someone who should probably, for the rest of his life, remain silent about any fires. That Emmanuel Macron, who is in the 20-something range in approval as French president, in part because of his police brutality against the yellow vests, the anti-carbon tax protesters in France, that Emmanuel Macron, who hosted the G7 summit over the weekend in France, that Emmanuel Macron has decided to launch a political campaign against Brazil for the annual naturally occurring fires?
in the Amazon forest. Now, the Amazon is huge, and it has forest fires naturally every year all the time, just like Canada's northern forests do. That's how it works in nature. It always has. Forest fires are shocking and destructive, but they are rejuvenating as well as part of the cycle of life. They are natural to say otherwise is anthropocentric. In fact, when humans don't do controlled burns to clear out the dead forest, more massive forest fires are likely because of that human beneficence and interference. So there are many forest fires in the Amazon right now, and some of them are arson, not committed by some anonymous people who we can't name, who hate symbols of Christianity like the Notre Dame Cathedral, but rather sometimes by people who want to be farmers and loggers, perhaps people who are environmentalists who want to stunt, perhaps people who just live and work in the Amazon. Some of them burn the forest for their own livelihoods. I don't agree with the practice, but it is a more noble motivation than torching a church. Macron wouldn't have to worry about things like earning a living as a farmer. He's busy drinking thousand-dollar bottles of wine in the Alps with his mother-wife. You know, you know her, right? That was his high school teacher who walked out on her real family to marry her high school student. They are weird, creepy people. I'm sorry, Emmanuel Macron and his mother-wife. So Emmanuel Macron decides to make Brazil's forest fires his big deal at the G7. There are forest fires in Siberia right now. Macron doesn't really care about those. There are forest fires every summer in Canada, too. Macron doesn't really care about those. In fact, those are obviously the fall of global warming. I mean, <laughs> you can't blame Putin or Trudeau for those. Not that forest fires are on the list of the top thousand concerns. You'd expect at a G7 meeting Trump was there to talk about trade deals and a bit to talk about China. He's a serious man. Here, take a look at this news. No big deal, just a trade treaty with Japan. The deal is done in principle. We probably will be signing it around UNGA. It will be around the, uh, the date of UNGA, which we all look forward to. And we're very far down the line. We've agreed to every point, And now we're papering it, and we'll be signing it at a formal ceremony. And I just want to thank Prime Minister Abe and the Japanese people. You've been a fantastic friend, and we very much appreciate it. This is a tremendous uh, deal for the United States. It's a really tremendous deal for our farmers and agricultural ranchers, and also involves other things, including, as I said, e-commerce. Uh, so it's very big, and we look forward to it, and thank you very much. Huge. That's Trump, the dealmaker. Billions in new trade. But what can Macron announce? Did he have anything like that? Well, he's not much of anything. He's not a businessman like Trump. He's not a dealmaker. He's a failure domestically. He, he couldn't really criticize China for their violence against Hong Kong democracy protesters, not given his misconduct against the Yellow Vest. So, so he chose to attack Jair Bolsonaro, the right-wing president of Brazil, and to blame Brazil for its forest fires, and frankly to threaten to put sanctions or at least to cancel a proposed trade agreement with Brazil. If Brazil didn't do, do what about its forest fires? It's not like they're not fighting the forest fires. It's not like Bolsonaro is pro-forest fire. What exactly are they saying that Brazil did morally wrong? Now, it takes great skill to negotiate a trade deal, or at least a good one, but any fool can rip one up, and Macron is that fool. So that was his big splash at his own summit. Of course, it's really just because he hates Bolsonaro, the right winger. I don't, I don't know Bolsonaro that well, but I like what I see. I like him in part 
because the left hates him. In fact, they hate him so much they stabbed him in the stomach, literally, physically, just weeks before the election, a left-wing activist, and he came perilously close to dying, losing nearly half of his body's blood. That makes me like the guy. He's pro-America, which is a nice change for Brazil. He's pro-Israel, which is a nice change for any world leader. And he's fiercely anti-communist, which is nice in the era of Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and other socialists. So Macron, the effete teacher-marrying bureaucrat, started a little Twitter war against Bolsonaro, sort of pitiful. You've got the world's seven most important democracies together, and that's what you talk about. But hang on, hang on. It's not actually the seven most important democracies, is it? India is a democracy. They have more than a billion people. They weren't at the G7. Brazil is a democracy, 200 million people. They're not in the G7. Both of those countries have a much larger GDP than Canada, so, so they don't have more people. Canada doesn't have more people. They have bigger economies. So yeah, you can imagine the reaction in Brazil when Macron, and you guessed it, Justin Trudeau, started lecturing Bolsonaro on the Amazon fires and even threatening economic retaliation. That's the attitude of a colonial master a bit, I think, it must have seemed. I say Canada because Trudeau retweeted Macron as a Me Too, piling on so bravely. Except the picture that Macron included in his tweet, it was a fake. I mean, it was a real photograph, but not of the fires this year in Brazil. He used a fake photo, disinformation, fake news, and Trudeau retweeted it because he's that stupid. I'm still waiting for the CBC fact check on that one. I'll be waiting a while. Macron and Trudeau are two weird dudes. I'm sorry, I showed you that image of Macron kissing his teacher who then left her family to marry him. Here's Trudeau's version of that sort of weirdness. Because you're very handsome. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> Kiss him. Uh, I, I, I think because... Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Here's how the American press covered Trudeau's arrival at the G7. This is from the White House press pool. Trudeau arrived and immediately embraced Macron in a tight hug. The two leaders patted each other's backs several times and made small talk on a walkway, walkway overlooking the ocean below. That's so romantic. Here's a photo of the last time they met. I'm sorry, I'm just sorry to say that is weird. I know in Europe they do the cheek kissing thing, or sometimes it's just an air kissing thing, but that hands behind the back, full body-to-body frontal embrace, that is not a Europe thing. That's a Trudeau and Macron creepy thing. Sorry if you don't like me mentioning it. If it were Trump doing that, you know that photo's weirdness would be on the front page of every newspaper in the world. So Trudeau and Macron not only thought they'd flex against Brazil on forest fires instead of against China for trade or on anything meaningful. And also, so very generously, Trudeau and Macron agreed to chip in a few million bucks. Yeah, thanks for the trinkets, guys. I mean, Canada itself spends half a billion to a billion dollars a year fighting our naturally occurring forest fires. These Amazon fires are so big, it's a multi-billion dollar job. The few millions offered by Trudeau and Macron weren't about solving the problem, they were about virtue signaling, concern trolling, as the kids say, just an expensive press release so they could say they were really, really concerned about this Bolsonaro guy. And you know, it's not just partisan politics because they chipped in a few bucks because obviously Bolsonaro's not doing enough. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, Bolsonaro isn't part of the French Canadian Hug Club. I know the media loves both Trudeau and Macron, but 
Their own citizens don't. Trump's latest poll numbers put them at 50%. Trudeau's are at 33%. Macron's in the 20s. I'm going to guess that pushing back against Trudeau and Macron will do just fine for Bolsonaro in the polls back in Brazil. Trump saw an opening, by the way. He'll let the little pishers of the G7 insult Brazil. He'll show support, and he'll probably get a great trade deal out of the thing, too, for Americans. I mean, if these little socialists, Trudeau and Macron, want to push Brazil closer to the U.S. orbit, Trump will take that all day. Trudeau's pretty gross when it comes to Bolsonaro. I don't know if you remember this. I mentioned it before. When Bolsonaro won his election, after being stabbed, for God's sake, Trudeau and his useless foreign minister, Christa Freeland, they sent out the traditional press release, as is done when a country has an election, but this one was so weird. It didn't mention Yair Bolsonaro at all, let alone congratulate him. Certainly no congratulatory phone call, just some weird congratulations to the Brazilian people, but not saying who they voted in their outstanding election for which they need to be congratulated. It was such a bizarre diplomatic snub. But that's because Trudeau and Freeland and their weird team of millennial know-it-all, know-nothings, the same people who botched India and botched China and botched Saudi Arabia and botched the NAFTA renegotiations, they thought this would be a clever snub. Yeah, no, as hard as it is for Trudeau to believe, he needs Brazil more than Brazil needs him or Canada. Even little things, not even substantive things, but how about eye contact? Remember Justin Trudeau was at a recent international summit, and, and there he is, placed next to Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, who wouldn't even make eye contact with Trudeau, and Trudeau lacked the courage to ask him about the two Canadian hostages. Trudeau's a coward in person. He is with Trump. So on one side of him is President Xi, because it was alphabetical. Brazil, Canada, China. So he had Bolsonaro on his other side, Trudeau and President Xi. Bolsonaro, who really, I don't even think, even cares about Canada or thinks about Canada. I don't even think he's mad about Canada. I just don't even think he knows Canada exists. But Trudeau, he didn't do the basics of diplomacy. Imagine if he had actually called to say congrats and they had a five-minute friendly phone call and, and, and made tiny acquaintances. But he didn't do that. So he's a stranger. <laughs> Too bad. I, it might have been helpful in that one tense moment to maybe have Bolsonaro be friendly or even helpful. I don't know. But no, no, no. The master strategist, uh, in Trudeau's brain trust, thought snubbing Bolsonaro to impress, I don't even know who. That was the plan. So yeah, you know what I think? I think Bolsonaro was right to turn down the 20 million or whatever it was. He'll probably spend 5 billion on these fires. 20 million isn't help, it's preening. But Bolsonaro should take a million dollars and he should send a million dollars to the Grassy Narrows Indian Band to help them recover from mercury poisoning in Canada. That's the troop. That's the group that tried to get Trudeau's help, but Trudeau laughed at them and thanked them for their money. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much for your donation tonight. I really appreciate the uh, donation to the Liberal Party of Canada. Yeah. I don't think Yair Bolsonaro needs Trudeau's help, but maybe Trudeau needs Bolsonaro's help, or at least the people in Grassy Narrows do. And France? Yeah, I think Bolsonaro should give Macron some help. Maybe help by sending a human rights observer to make sure the police brutality against the Yellow Vest doesn't get out of hand more. In this fight, I'm on Team Bolsonaro, I'll tell you that.
Stay with us for more on this subject. And joining us now is someone who grew up in Brazil and fought against its previous regime, which was socialist and authoritarian, and she fought for freedom. She lives in America now, where she's a conservative pundit. You can follow her online on Twitter. Her name is Julia Song, and she joins us via Skype. Julia, great to see you again. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, I think you're really the only Brazilian conservative pundit we know. So, but you are in a perfect spot because you know what the previous regime was like. You fought for freedom there. And now watching Yair Bolsonaro, who is very freedom oriented, take lectures from two failed leaders, Justin Trudeau and Emmanuel Macron. I just had to ask you what you thought of the whole diplomatic fracas and how how you think it's going down in Brazil. Well, uh, Amazon has always been a poor region, same as the Northeast. So the Northwest and the Northeast have been poor and they have been under the, the stronghold of the previous uh, socialist government because people are enslaved due to welfare. The welfare state is massive. So a lot of activists go to this part of the country and they try to dominate the narrative. And what Bolsonaro is doing is that he's just fighting for, you know, ec economy, he's fighting for jobs, he's fighting to lower. We have violence levels that are above war zones like Afghanistan and Syria, etc. So he's focusing on those issues while they're trying to make Amazon seem like a big deal. In reality, these fires are below average. And, and they're trying to make this seem as a big deal, but only because that area is basically a stronghold for socialists still. And the globalists are trying to use that as an excuse to push their agenda on Brazil. In fact, I believe that Bolsonaro recently came out saying that Macron needs to apologize. And they're trying to, once again, change the narrative, saying that Bolsonaro is asking for a personal apology, when in reality, he is asking for an apology because they are meddling with the sovereignty of Brazil. Yeah, you know, there are forest fires in every forest. It's got nothing to do with policies. In fact, human policies often make it worse by stopping natural fires that would clean out the deadwood. We've seen that in, in Canada. Uh, even we've seen that in, in Fort McMurray, the forest management techniques were part of the problem. It's not an international affair. It's not an international crisis to try and shoehorn that into I think what they were trying to do is to turn Brazil into a global warming enemy of the world uh, because it's easier to pick on Brazil than China, which actually is the world's largest polluter of real pollution, not just carbon dioxide. I think the whole thing was a cheap, cheap way to look brave by beating up on Brazil instead of taking on China. Or even if you care about forest fires, let's talk about the fires in Russia but they just thought they'd take a swipe at Bolsonaro. That, I, I think it was so transparent, but the media, they love that narrative. Well, I saw many things that me as a Brazilian, they, they came out as red flags. For example, the, the first thing that I saw, and, and I refused to comment this for a while before it got really big, because I just saw so many red flags. I, will, I, I didn't believe that this was going to get huge. 
But for example, they're saying that the cattle ranchers were responsible for the fire. There has been no investigation. How did they come out with, with And then Bolsonaro said the, the NGOs were purposely being investigated for that and they ridiculed them. Hmm. So how do you tell me that the cattle ranchers were the ones responsible without an investigation and you're ridiculing Bolsonaro for coming out with an, uh, an alternative for this issue? Another thing that they said is that Sao Paulo was burning. Sao Paulo is two regions away from the Amazon forest. There is some rainforest in Sao Paulo, which is really small because it's a very industrialized area. But Sao Paulo is in the southeast and Amazon is in the northwest. Hmm. There is no way that a fire would cross the country hmm. and reach Sao Paulo. Hmm. So all of these red flags were coming out, and I thought, there's no way anybody's going to believe this. But now I see the president of France coming out and trying to uh, throw sanctions, trade sanctions on Brazil because of this. And this is why he needs to apologize, yeah. because the sovereignty of Brazil was put in jeopardy due to the, this thing that Macron uh, came out with. And um, it's just not right. Brazil's not going to fall for the globalist agenda. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's so weird. Um, I don't think that any country in the world has sanctions on China. I mean, there's some trade tariffs, but that's not a political sanction designed to punish someone. A trade tariff is a, it, it's, you know, it's, it's a tit for tat economically. The idea of sanctions on Brazil while there's no sanctions on China, is so morally upside down. And I, I think that's crass. And then they're throwing a few bones to Brazil. Here's a few million dollars to combat this fire. Th these fires will cost billions to fight. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, I looked it up, and Canada spends a billion dollars a year on our regular forest fires. This huge forest fire costs billions. 20 million bucks is a, is a joke, but it's just designed, I think, so that people will say, oh, Macron and Trudeau, they really, really mean it, and they're willing to spend money that Bolsonaro isn't. They must be the real heroes, and he must be the demon here. I, I, I think they're getting away with it, though, Julia. I think I, if you look at the state broadcaster in our country, the CBC, if you look at CNN, I think that the Macron-Trudeau smear is succeeding Again, because Bolsonaro is pro-Trump, and that means the media must destroy him. So I think the propaganda exercise by Macron and Trudeau, despite its flaws, I mean, Macron tweeted a photo that wasn't even from this decade of a fire, like the false information, the fake news, but they're getting away with it. That's what I observe. What do you think? Well, under the previous government in Brazil, there had been fires way bigger than this that we never even heard about. And it's just mind-blowing that this is being brought to these proportions when, in reality, this fire is actually below average. There's nothing about this fire that, you know, the one thing about this fire that I will say is the fact that I knew from the beginning that the government did not have the ability to fight it on its own because the government is bankrupt. In the beginning of the year, we had a huge domestic terrorism crisis in Brazil that was actually keeping people from leaving their homes. And the government did not have the manpower or the resources to fight that. So now there comes a fire in Amazon, which we don't have infrastructure, we don't have roads. Many times we have to go get there through uh, boats or planes, etc. So how are you gonna fight that? There's no way to actually properly fight it. You just have to let it play it out. And we've seen this time and time again. In fact, all over the world, there's an especially 
dry season. There's places that are burning way worse than the Amazon. We're seeing fires in California. We're seeing fires in Australia. We're seeing fires in Africa. But somehow, this below average fire in Amazon, and, and one of the things that we learned in Brazil uh, very early in school is the myth that Amazon is the lungs of the world. Because Amazon is a forest that is mature, which means it produces as much as it consumes. So it's not going to be producing a whole lot of oxygen to the world because it has so much biodiversity that it consumes a lot of the oxygen that it produces. So the whole thing, the whole narrative about we having to save Amazon because we're running out of oxygen, hmm. that is actually not true. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of junk science being offered up by the global warming uh, theorists. It's interesting to me that you say that there's a, a possibility that NGOs, I don't know, like Greenpeace or, or its analogs, might actually be behind this. I wouldn't be shocked by that. I mean, they love the narrative of extreme climate events. Uh, and sometimes there are naturally occurring you know, hurricanes or whatnot that they try and capitalize on. But starting a fire, I mean, uh, many of the wildfires, there were dozens of arson fires in Canada and the United States in the last year that were turned into global warming crises, even though they were started by arson. I wouldn't put it past the green pieces of the world to start fires in the Amazon for this political momentum. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but these people are crazy, or at least they, they think the ends justify the means. Who is doing the investigation of that? Is there a, a Brazilian government in investigation? Is it a police investigation? Because I, I hadn't heard that before. So basically what happens in Amazon is that Amazon is used as a political pawn in Brazil. The previous government was sustaining those NGOs, those, those people, under a welfare state. Bolsonaro cut that. He said, you know what? The government is bankrupt. We're not going to keep giving money to NGOs who are promoting a socialist agenda. We're going to cut that fund. So he cut basically billions in funding for those agencies. And he said there is a possibility that they started arson. Now, arson is not new. It's not something that we came up with yesterday. Arson has been around forever. There is the possibility that it has been started as a way to, to protest against the funding that was cut ah. for, for those NGOs. Now, we have the, the Ministry of uh, the Environment. We have the police. We have everybody looking into this, even the military. Now, it's very hard to prove because Amazon is a place that is hard to access. Mm -hmm. So it, it is difficult. There's not a lot of roads. There's not a lot of anything there. So for you to prove that somebody went there and, and set something on fire, it is difficult. Mm -hmm. However, I, I don't think that he would have come out in public and would have said that if he didn't have a very, very strong belief that that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it would be hard to prove it. I mean, when there's arson in, let's say, a restaurant or a, or a house, it, it's a small crime scene. You can investigate, see where the fire started. In in a massive fire, or a series of fires, it would it would be practically impossible to do a forensic report. You'd probably need some human intelligence, someone who spilled the beans. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, I want to say that I'm pleased that Donald Trump, at least, is standing with Brazil and Bolsonaro. He did a very strong tweet, which is how the president prefers to communicate, it seems. Um, and, uh, and Jair Bolsonaro tweeted back his gratitude. Um, let me ask you, 
there are some Brazilians who obviously love Bolsonaro. He won, if I recall, with 55% of the vote. His polls go up and down for economic reasons, for other reasons. Do you think that people share Bolsonaro's sense of pride and contempt for Macron and Trudeau? Or do you think, do you think Bolsonaro is rallying Brazilians against these meddlers? Or do you think maybe they're actually taking the side of Trudeau and Macron against their own leader. What's your read on the public mood in Brazil itself? So uh, the thing about Trump that he did that I really liked uh, was the fact that he came out in support of Brazil. And he said, I support Brazil and I'm going to be offering the help. What Macron did is that he threw Brazil under the bus and then he tried to, you know, say, hey, come on, let me lift you up. Mm -hmm. But after he had already threw Bolsonaro and Brazil under the bus, he tried to come out as the good guy. And that is why Bolsonaro did not accept his help, because he was the one questioning Brazil's sovereignty in the first place. Now, we have a history of 16 years under a socialist government. The cultural Marxism and the globalist agenda that have been pushed into people's minds over the years is not something to be uh, ignored. People will believe what they have been fed through the media, through educational systems. However, a huge part of the Brazilian, and this is something to keep in mind, is that Brazil is a democracy. More than the, the half of the people of the country elected Bolsonaro in a democratic election. That means when you question him in public, when you, when you come out and say, for example, they talk about Trump voters as being racist, he was elected democratically. So you're talking about the sovereignty of the country. You're talking about the people. You're not talking about just one man. You're talking about 57 million people, over 57 million people who voted for that man and elected him as a president. Mm -hmm. So yes, I believe that he should apologize. There are Brazilians who have that mindset of thinking that Bolsonaro is too rough. He is a, you know, a special op guy. He came from the military. His uh, sense of humor is extremely sarcastic. I believe he was uh, bothered by a journalist maybe earlier in the month. And she asked him some climate questions. And he said that people should go to the restroom less times <laughs> if they wanted to worry about the. Uh, this became news. It was another example of him joking mm -hmm. and people taking that seriously. People... Uh, making this a big deal of every little thing that he says. They're trying to make him the bad guy. And in reality, he just became president a few months ago. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of people taking every Trump joke. Trump's an entertainer. He's an empresario. He's, they loved him when he was, uh, you know, running uh, reality shows and running the Miss America pageant. The minute he became a politician, they, they, that sense of humor that they knew, now they're parsing it as if it's a policy paper. Well, listen, Julie, it's great to see you again. And thank you very much thank for you. giving us your thoughts. And uh, I've always been interested in Bolsonaro. And I want to remind our, our viewers that the left tried to stop him with a knife. And had he been maybe 10 minutes later to the hospital, they may have succeeded. He lost so much of his blood. And I think he is a true hope for Brazil in the same way that Trump is. And like Trump, he's a flawed man. But I think he's the best thing that country, best hope that country has. And I sense that's your view to Julia, so I appreciate you joining us today. Thank you. All right, stay with us. More ahead on The Rebel.
Hey folks, what do you think of this show today? I mean, I find Brazil very interesting. I've never been there. I've never been to South America. Um, I'm sure that there are things about Jair Bolsonaro I would disagree with. But the fact that he is arrayed against globalist leftists like Macron and Trudeau and allied with America, Israel, against communism, I, I like the cut of his jib. The fact that Antifa tried to murder him on the campaign trail, the fact that Trudeau and Macron try and shame him and embarrass him, makes me like him all the more. And um, I don't know. It, it's just sort of pitiful that the best Macron and Trudeau can do is some preening press release. Well, Donald Trump just snagged a free trade deal with Japan. I wish we had a leader befitting of this moment. I, I think it's too bad that Justin Trudeau was our prime minister during the Obama years. and. Uh, sorry, that Stephen Harper, pardon me, was prime minister during the Obama years, and that Trudeau was prime minister during the Trump years. It would have been very interesting to me in some hypothetical alternative reality if Harper and Trump were in the same time. They certainly have such stylistic differences. But imagine what we could have done as Canadians if we had someone who was intellectual and professional enough to take advantage of the opportunities of the Trump economy. Uh, we'll have to always daydream about what could have been. Folks, that's the show for today. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters and you at home, good night and keep fighting for freedom.